All right, let's get started. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 17. Why are we turning to Acts chapter 17 when we're pray, uh, preaching on the, uh, the Lord's Prayer? Well, there's a, a section of the Lord's Prayer that talks about the kingdom. And uh, to me, there's no better place to look at the kingdom of God than what is being told to us in Acts 17. But before we get there, just remember that we started this series of sermons last week on Teach Us to Pray. When we talk about teaching us to pray, the disciples stood before Jesus and, and asked Jesus to, to teach them to, how to pray. What is it that you want me to pray? How do you want me to pray, Lord? And, and so the Lord begins to speak to his disciples, and he gives the most common uh, prayer that we have, uh, that, that the earth has ever heard, honestly, over and over and over again. You can be in many churches, you can be in many uh, different places, and you'll hear the Lord's prayer being spoken. As we reminded people last week, though, the Lord's Prayer is not just simply uh, the words that you're supposed to say. It is a model for how we are to pray. Jesus was using this as a learning experience to the, to the disciples to teach them how to pray. And so what we started out last week is we started looking at uh, the Lord's Prayer. And if you remember the Lord's Prayer, uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and the so when we looked at that last week, we looked at hallowed be thy name and, and our Father. And what that means is the positioning of where you're at. When you begin to pray about anything, no matter what you're praying, where you're praying, or how you're praying, we have to position ourselves first before the Lord. We have to position ourselves to put ourselves in the right place where God is on the throne of our lives. And as, our, as we begin to pray, we're praying to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's where the our Father comes from. And then hallowed be thy name, holy is your name. I love one of the, uh, my favorite parts of worship is when we just kind of start to say in our own words how wonderful God is, to spend that time, you know, with instruments playing in the background, but in your own words, just saying to God how wonderful he is. That's exactly what Jesus was directing us to say and directing us to do is to speak about, um, you know, how great God is in our lives. Today we're going to look at the second part of this prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As a reminder that Jesus is teaching about a model of prayer, not just words, my question for you today is, do you really want God's kingdom in your life? Before you answer this question, you have to realize that what you do in the first part of this prayer will lead and be a witness to whether you really believe and want the second part of this prayer. See, if God is not really the, on the throne of your life, if he's not really the king of kings, if he's not the Lord of lords, if, he, if he's not holy in your life, then asking for him to come and be the, uh, have his kingdom and have his will in your life, it's like asking your neighbor to come and take care of your house and clean your house for you, but you want to live in it. Everyone would love someone to come in and live in our house, or clean our house and not live there, Right? But in reality, what happens is that when we pray for God's kingdom to come, we have to make sure that he is really on the throne of our life because his kingdom's not going to come in your life if he's not king of your life. He can't. And so it's really important that before we pray for the kingdom to come into your life, that you understand that you have to have a king on his throne for his kingdom to come. And so let's make sure that we have King Jesus on the throne where he needs to be as we pray for the, thy kingdom come. Let's pray and let's spend some time and then we'll jump in Acts uh, chapter 17. 
Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing in our midst. We thank you for just the opportunity that you have taught to the disciples and now are teaching to us on how to pray. Lord, you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are to be on the throne of our lives, Father. And so we place you there. There's no one better, no one more wonderful than you, Father. And you place, you, you deserve, and you should be placed on the throne of our lives, Father. The first and most important part of our, our, of our life, Father. The most important thing that we can say or do is to follow you, Father. Today, Lord, we ask you, as we look at this next part of this prayer where you taught us how to pray, Father, as we pray for the kingdom come and thy will be done, may we understand what we're really praying for, Father. May we understand that praying for the kingdom comes means that we have to let go of our own kingdom. When we pray for the will to be done, that means we have to let go of our own will to be done. So, Father, help us today. It's a hard thing to let go of your will, our will, Father. It's a hard thing to let go of things that we think are most important in our life, but we need to. So help us today, Father. Lord, I pray that you would guide us and direct us. Lord, I pray that my words would not be my own, but they would truly be your words, Father, as you lead us in this prayer and lead us in this teaching on how we should pray. We thank you, Lord. We glorify you. We honor you and we praise you now in Jesus' most precious and holy name. Amen. What is the kingdom of God? See, before you can actually pray for and, and ask for the kingdom of God to come into your life, you have to really know what the kingdom of God is. In the ESV translation, sorry, Chess, but in the ESV translation, the phrase kingdom of God is referenced over 126 times by Jesus himself. Outside of Jesus' speaking of the kingdom of God, there's only roughly 34 times where the kingdom of God is mentioned. See, Jesus was all about the kingdom business of his father. He was all about coming to build the kingdom business of his father here on this earth. And so if we want to call ourselves Christians, if we want to follow, if we want to pray this Lord's Prayer in our life, then we have to understand what it means to have the kingdom of God here on this earth as it is in heaven. Acts 17, verse 20 says, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in the ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Now I want to just take this moment and say, when Jesus is speaking to, when he's speaking to his disciples and he's sharing about this and he's sharing about the kingdom of God, Jesus shares about the kingdom of God more than anyone else because he is about his father's business, but he's about building up the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not like many people during these times would say a kingdom is a place that is owned by a king, right? During this time that the disciples and, and others walked when, when scripture was being written, we, we would see kingdoms build up and kingdoms fall. There are many kings that served Israel. There are many kings that served and fell. There are many kings that served Persia and Rome and all of these other places. And all of these people were, were put on this throne and they would control a land or control a portion. But the biggest part about this is that they would be built up and they would be tore down. There has been no kingdom that has ever survived unless you believe in the kingdom of God. 
The kingdom of God is truly the only kingdom that has, uh, has sustained and survived everything that has been thrown at it. From the time of the Roman Empire to the times of the Sadducees and Pharisees who came against the kingdom of God to try to destroy it all the way. You could even go all the way back to uh, the Egyptians and the Pharaohs who tried to destroy the, the, the Israelites when, when God was with them and, store, and restored them and brought them over the Red Sea. And you could go through all of the Old Testament. You could go through all of the New Testament. When they, honestly, when they killed Jesus and they hung him on a cross, they thought the kingdom, his kingdom was dying and was dead. It would no longer go forward. It was a shocking moment to the Sadducees and Pharisees when the kingdom of God began to grow after Jesus died. They were for sure that if they would kill Jesus, if, that, if they would take Jesus out, that this would end the rebellion is what they spoke of, almost like Star Wars, right? We're ending the rebellion. But uh, they, they, they felt that this would end the rebellion and then this would no, be, uh, no longer be around. This would be done. The truth of the matter is, is that by killing Jesus, what they did was actually put him on the throne of that kingdom and amplified the kingdom here on this earth. They had no clue what they were going to do. They had no clue that this was going to happen, yet they played a large part of it. When Jesus says, see, the kingdom of God is in fact not visible now, the kingdom come is the rule and reign of God. When you think about this, again, what Jesus is saying to them is that the kingdom is not yet here on this earth. The kingdom is not yet here in this place. You can't see the kingdom. You can't understand the kingdom. It's because what he is telling his disciples is that you can't go into a place and, and be in the kingdom of God. Like you could go in and be in the Rome, uh, the emperor's home of Rome, or you could go into uh, any one of the kings that we talk about and spend some time there. What he's saying is that the kingdom is not in a place. It's not one place. It's not... It's not tied down to a castle. It's not tied down to a location. And thank God it's not. Because that's, that means you and I can be part of the kingdom of God and never have to leave Richtown, Ohio. Never have to leave Palmyra, Ohio. Never have to leave Brimfield, Ohio. Never have to leave wherever our home is located. We can be part of the kingdom of God by just simply being here. Because the kingdom of God is not a location it's inside of us when we accept Jesus Christ into our midst. The kingdom of God is where God rules and reigns completely and fully. See, the kingdom of God is in fact not visible right now because God's kingdom is everywhere. God's kingdom is all around us. What this means is that God's kingdom is where he rules. So the question you might ask is, why isn't God's kingdom everywhere? Well, it's a great question. I'm glad you asked. No one asked, but I, I did, maybe myself, as I'm writing my sermon. But In fact, I would uh, venture to guess that there are places where God has not yet come in your life to rule 100%. God's kingdom is where he rules 100%, where he rules completely and forever. I believe that inside of us, each and every one of us, we're hoping that we release and we allow God to rule and reign over our whole entire life, that his kingdom is truly done inside of us. But oftentimes the mistake that we make is that we give God everything that we want to give to him, but we hang on to stuff. We hang on to the very things that we want to say, I need this because I don't fully trust God. So the kingdom of God isn't completely 100% even in your life if you're hanging on to something and you haven't given it completely over to God. 
The very easiest way to understand if the kingdom of God is completely over you is let me ask you this question. If God came to you this very moment and said, you need to give this up, how much would you hang on to what he's telling you to give up? Now be careful how you answer that because in scripture, God gives us some very good uh, parameters on what we should be willing to give over to him. Whether that's your time and energy and your effort, whether that's your finances, whether that's your emotions, your relationships, whether that's your mouth, whether that's just your actions, all of those things are things that God is asking for us to give over to him because he wants to rule 100% inside of us. Now, I'm spending a lot of time talking about the kingdom of God because, listen, you have to understand what the kingdom of God is before you can ask for it to come into your heart, to be here in you. When we pray for his kingdom to come, what we are saying is, God, I want you to receive the glory, not me. That's a really hard thing. But when we pray for the kingdom to come, we want his kingdom to come, not my kingdom. Many people on this earth spend many days and months and years building up their own kingdom. I'm going to build up my own kingdom, make it, uh, whether it be my money, whether it be my job, whether it be my family, whether it be my business, my ministry, whatever it might be, we build up our own kingdom. And so our kingdom becomes more important to us than his kingdom. There should be nothing in our life that we're not willing to turn over to him and say, here, this is all yours, God. I don't need it. I don't want it. If God came down to me and said, I'm going to take your church from you, I'm going to be sad, but I'm going to say, yes, Lord, it's yours. Take it. Do it with it as you will. It's your kingdom, Lord. I'm asking for your kingdom to come. And if your kingdom comes to this place and he requires me to do something different, then we need to do it. It's his kingdom come. It's not my kingdom. It's not my glory. See, when we have a king on our life, we accept receiving a lesser amount of the glory than what we would receive if we were the king. When you accept yourself, when you, ask, when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, what you're really saying is that he is the king of your life, which means he's more important than anything that you want. Your will, your kingdom, your mind, everything doesn't matter. It's his what matters, his glory, his kingdom matters, not mine. So when we pray for his kingdom to come, are you really able to pray for his kingdom to be in your life? What if God's kingdom requires you to be poor? Ever thought about that for a moment? Maybe somehow through your life, God wants you to do something that's not glorious and not wonderful. What if God wants you to do something that may not be something that you really, really wanted to do? What if God's kingdom requires you to get up and go spend some time in the nursery with kids? Perfect examples. The kids are walking by. What if God's kingdom requires you to set up and tear down chairs? What if God's kingdom requires you to take a step of faith and go and speak to that lady who's standing behind the cash register at your local store? What if God's kingdom requires you to go and embarrass yourself in front of someone at work because God is asking you to humble yourself and speak to them and ask them something that you're not comfortable doing? Are you willing to do that? See, a lot of people would shake their head yes, and I agree with you. I'm glad a lot of you are shaking your head yes, I'd be willing to do that. But I have to venture a guess, again, that there is something inside of us that we have to be really careful before we answer that yes question. Because there's often times in our hearts that we want to hang on to something. Something is so important to us. Lord, I give you everything. I give you everything. Okay, then I want this. No, I can't give you that, Lord. I want Here, I'm giving you all the good things. I'm giving you my money. I'm giving you my time. I'm giving you my energy. I'm giving you my sleep. I'm giving you all this stuff. Why do you think we fast? I can, beat, I can make a beat on my own drum. No, I shouldn't do that. Sorry. Um, 
We fast because we want to make sure there's nothing in our life that we're hanging on to, that we're saying, this is more important to me than God. We normally fast food, right? Not, not fast food like Arby's and McDonald's. I mean, you can do that if you want to. That's probably a good thing to do. But we fast food because there's something that happens to your body when you go without food. Now, I don't know about you, but it takes me all about five minutes when I stop eating food for my stomach to start to tell me I'm not eating. Okay, maybe a little longer in five minutes, but not much. But there's something that happens inside of me that my stomach begins to growl if I go periods of time. I remember not too long ago, a few years ago, we did a 30-hour fast with our youth group. I spent 30 hours with a bunch of teenagers who were moody to begin with, who were young ladies to begin with, most of them were young ladies to begin with, not eating. Now let me tell you about things that happen during a 30-hour fast, right? The first few hours is all excited because the kids are together and they're having fun and they're playing games, right? And then about time that dinner rolls around, everyone's looking at each other going, uh-oh, <laughs> there's something that's creeping up in my stomach that I don't know how to deal with, right? And then we, we, what we would do is we'd go before the Lord in prayer and we'd try to keep him busy and we'd pray and we'd say, as soon as you start feeling hungry, just go to your knees and pray. And so we were, we were not only, by the way, doing 30 hours of, of fasting, but we were 30 hours together in the same place. And so for 30 hours, we did this. And after, after about 12 to 14 hours, it was okay because we all fell asleep. <laughs> but have you ever woke up hungry before? You know, maybe, you, maybe you're sick the night before and you skip dinner and you wake up the next day and you're looking at it and you're going... I would eat the wallpaper off the wall right now because I'm that hungry. Have you ever had that? Ever had that? I have. Okay, so if you haven't, sorry. But you wake up in the morning, you're so hungry. And when you wake up, you realize, oh no, I still have another 24 hours to go. But your body begins to just, I, I, it's just amazing. It's not only the pain of the hunger, but then it's also your muscles begin to tell, feel, tell you, I'm tired. You know, you need to, you need to sit down. You need to, and by the end of 30 hours, it looked like we were all not zombies, but it looked like we were all pretty much out of it. We just sat there, like, going, oh, I can't wait till this is over. Now, the reason why we fast is because we're giving up something that our body needs. We're giving up something that our body craves. We're giving up something that we want. Why? Because we're reminding ourselves that it's not my kingdom, it's not my body that matters, it's his kingdom. Fasting is one of the best things to do because it reminds us of that it is not my kingdom. It's not my body. I, my spiritual body is stronger than my physical body. And it's a reminder as we go through that process to just stand there and do that. Why we're doing that, what we're praying is the kingdom of God to come into our life. We're putting him in that place. We're sacrificing food. We're sacrificing whatever we're sacrificing to put God on the throne, reminding ourselves that it's not me who rules. It's not my desire for candy or my desire for M&Ms. Lord, help me. It's not my desire for something else, but it is truly my desire for him that matters most. That's what the kingdom comes. So when we pray for the kingdom to come into our lives, what we're doing is saying, none of this matters, Lord. It's only your kingdom that matters. Come and replace my kingdom with your kingdom. I don't want to be ahead of the kingdom. I want to be following you. I want you to rule over my kingdom. I want you to rule over my life. I want you to be here, not me. It's you, Lord, that, me, that means more to me than, than, than anything in my life. And so when we stand before the Lord and we pray, thy kingdom come, 
a lot of power to that. Because again, is it not only putting you in the right position, putting God in that place, but we're going beyond just putting God on the throne of our life. Now we're saying whatever your kingdom needs, whatever your kingdom wants, is what I want my life to represent. And I want the activity of my life to further that kingdom. Now, I can't talk about the kingdom of God without talking about church. Because the kingdom of God isn't just our little church here. The kingdom of God is all the churches all around. There's a lot of churches and a lot of people who are really concerned about growing their church. And listen, I love to see our church grow too. I, I, I'm, I'm happy of where we're at. And I'm happy where our church is growing. But what matters to me most is not that Passion Community Church becomes this huge church. If God wills it, I'll take it. We'll go. But what's most important to me is that God's kingdom of God grows. And if that means that we're out reaching people for Christ and we're winning people to Christ and they end up going to a different church, great. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the wonderful, most wonderful thing because the kingdom of God needs to grow. Not the kingdom of passion, not the kingdom of Jason, not the kingdom of anyone here in this room. It's the kingdom of God that needs to grow. That's the most important thing. Our mindset has to be not in just simply growing our church. Our mindset has to be with growing the kingdom of God. And so let me encourage you. Sure, invite people to church. Sure, invite them to our outreaches. Invite them to come and be part of everything that we do. But invite them to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's much more important than inviting them to come to church. Build the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of passion, community church, or the kingdom of yourself. Stop holding on and let him have control. Let's honor him as a king and let his kingdom be what matters most, not ours. The second part of this is thy will be done. When Jesus stands before his disciples and he goes through all of this, he says, thy kingdom come. And then he immediately goes right into thy will be done. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a pretty strong will when it comes to wanting to do things and get some certain things done. I have a desire. I have a way in my mind. I want to see that happen. I have a way in my mind. I want to see things completed and things done. And I just, it just, it's just there. It just comes out. It's what I believe. It's where I want. And so to have me stop and say, wait, it's not my will be done. It's yours, Lord. I've had pictures in my mind of how things should be. I have pictures in my mind how my life should have been, how my, how my uh, finances should have been. I have pictures in my mind how the church should have been. I had pictures in my mind of all these things. But sometimes we have to stop and say, it's not my will, it's yours, Lord. Let your will be done in my life. So what does that mean? What does it mean to have your God's will be done in your life? What that means, first and foremost, is that his will has to be more important than your will. You can't have a will and have his will in the same time of your life. You can't come to the Lord and say, Lord, your will, let it be done. But then say, but I'm going to do my own will. I'm going to come over here and I'm going to do these things. I'm going to talk about these things. I'm going to, I'm going to do all of these things over here because this is what I really want to do. But oh, on Sunday, praise God. He's wonderful. No, you have to, you have to have his will be most important in your life. You have to follow him. You have to do what he's supposed to, what he's asking you to do. His will for your life is more important than anything you could ever want. And when it doesn't turn out the way that you want it to turn out, so be it. It's better. Because his will is so much better than ours. You understand that? Your will can only see what you can see today. We are present. We are, we, very few of us, some, let me rephrase this, hold on. 
Someone hit the reverse button, the rewind button. Right? Okay, let me start over again. Very few people look beyond what's going on today. They live in the present. They operate in the present. Some of us have forward thinking and forward view, and they can look forward and they, they, vision, they vision, visualize the future. They might look at it and say, at some point I want to retire, so I better start putting money away for retirement, right? Some point I may want to do this or that, and, and if I can't do that right now, then I have to plan on how do I get to that point, and so we look forward. But see, what happens is that we don't know what we don't know. I can guarantee you that all of you here today don't know everything that's going to happen tomorrow. You might have a good idea that you're going to get up, you're going to go to work, you're going to do this, you're going to come home, you're going to have, you may even know what your wife or you uh, are going to be cooking. And see, I say you, your wife, and then I say you as husbands uh, are going to be cooking, or Becky. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. You're absolutely right. But you may have a vision of what all of those things. Tomorrow is not guaranteed, but you may have a vision of what you want to complete tomorrow. But that's as far as it goes. God sees not only the beginning, but he also sees the end. He knows the last day that you're going to be on this earth breathing in and out. He knows what you're going to face tomorrow. He knows what you're going to face next week. He knows what you're going to face in a year. He knows what you're going to face in three years, five years. We, very few humans, if any, knew that the uh, coronavirus is going to be around as big as it is right now. God knew. Very few people knew who was going to be the president of the United States. Four years ago, God knew. Very few people can visualize forward as much as they do looking today in the present. We are present living creatures. So when we look for our will, our will is oftentimes to satisfy where we are at today. I'm going to do something that I need to get done today. I'm going to go home, and when I'm hungry, I'm going to open up the cupboard, and whatever's in there, I'm going to eat, and I'm going to do it today. When I go out, I'm going to go out, and I'm going to do something. Maybe I have an activity. I have to go and help Paul pick up a bed today, so I'm going to do that. We're going to go and pick up a bed, and we're going to go forward. Now, that's all something I'm doing today. This is, I'm visualizing my plan today. This is my will today. This is what I want to get done. God sees not only your today, but he sees your yesterday, and he takes into consideration all that you know, and then he takes everything that you're going to face in the next year, and he says, this is your best will. This is my will for you. Your will is best if you follow me, not your own. The reason why this is so important is because God knows what's going to happen. You don't. And so when we stand before the Lord and we say, thy will be done, can you truly mean that? Sometimes God's will isn't fun. Sometimes God's will requires us to have something taken out of us, to have something that we have to deal with. Sometimes God will, God's will is for us to go up to that person that we're having an argument with and say, listen, we got to work this out. And that's not fun. Sometimes God's will is for us to let go of something that we've been hanging on to that we thought is so important in our life that we wanted to just grasp a hold of and we were never going to let go of this because it's so important for us. But God's going, there's something so much better for you if you would just release your hands from that and let it go. <clears throat> Simply put, we like to be in control. We want to do what we want to do. We 
God asks us, his will is for us to go out and share the love of Christ with others. Oftentimes, our will is to hang on to that and hang on and do something that I want to do. Sunday afternoon, I just want to go home and put my feet up on the couch and I want to sleep. What if God's will is for you to go over to your neighbor's house and help them do a project that they're doing? What if it's God's will that he wants you to go and, and share whatever you have in your home with someone else? What if it's God's will that he wants you to invite someone over to your house so that you can share a dinner with them or a meal with them? What if it's God's will that, you want to, that he wants you to just do more than just go home and sit on the couch and put your feet up? Listen, I love sitting at home putting my feet up. You can ask my wife. And Chaz has a really nice chair. I love putting my feet up on his chair in his house. I did that last night. It's true, yeah, absolutely. But the truth of the matter is, is it's not my will that matters, it's God's will. I want his will to be done. His will is always superior to ours. I don't care how wonderful of a life you have planned in your mind, God's will for your life is so much better than anything that you could ever dream of or think of. Now you might be sitting there going, oh, I don't know, Pastor, I can dream up of a pretty good life for me. Yeah, I bet you you can, so can I. But God's will is still better than anything that you could ever think of. He knows the truth. You know, the biggest problem with our will, when we stand before ourselves, and I know we all do it, right? You stand before yourself and you begin to think about this and you begin to lie to yourself. <laughs> no one wants to admit it, but we all do it. I don't want to think about my poor attitude I had a couple weeks ago. I don't want to think about this activity that I did that I shouldn't have done. I'm going to put that behind me, and so my will is to forget that and move forward. Well, sometimes we're so untruthful with ourselves that our will for our own self becomes so entangled with the untruthfulness that we haven't been truthful with ourselves. And I said truthful a hundred times. Let's see if I can say truthful a hundred more times. But the point of the matter is, is that if you are looking inside of yourself, we seem to gloss over the bad parts. God looks at those and he says, I love you even though you have that bad spot. Even though you have that rough spot that needs to be grounded down and polished up. That polishing and grinding down isn't always fun in God's will, but it's always best for us. Because we come back looking so much better than what we did before. The great news is that no matter how much we like our will, his will is always better for us. Do you realize that Jesus knows you better than any of you know yourself? He knows everything about you. Remember that uh, what I just said about the lying to yourself and stuff like that? Jesus takes that into account. He knows that. We don't, but he does. He knows what you have done, what you think, what you want. He knows the desires of your heart. He knows exactly in your mind all of the bad and good thoughts that you've had. He knows all of those things. And he knows exactly how to get you to the place where you need to be if you would just allow his will to be done in your life instead of your own. The truth of the matter is, is when we stand before the Lord and we say, thy will be done, we have to let go of everything that we have in our own will. We have to be willing to say, okay, God, my day may not turn out exactly how I planned. I may not get all this free time. I may not get this time in my office where I can get all this work done because I have all the students coming in, right, Jen? And I have all of this time. <laughs> it's an inside joke with my wife, sorry. Um, but we have to understand that his will is better than ours. Sometimes those interruptions in life are exactly what was needed. 
not only for our spirit, but for his and for the person that we're speaking to, to see his kingdom done. Now, this last part of this prayer, as we finish this up, says, on earth as it is in heaven. The phrase on earth as it is in heaven is tied both to the kingdom and his will. God's kingdom is perfect. God's will is perfect in heaven. Do you understand that God's will and God's kingdom is perfect in heaven? It's not yet per, uh, perfectionized. Is that, a, is that a word? Am I able to say that? That's not a word, is it? It sounds good to me. Okay, yeah. Perfected, thank you. I like perfectionized, though. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, perfected, God's will is not yet perfected here on this earth. You know why? Because God's not the king of this earth. He gives you and I a choice to follow him. He gives you and I the will to choose. When we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, what we're really doing is saying that my will and my kingdom doesn't matter and I'm choosing your will and your kingdom for my life. Here on this earth, the way that God's will and God's kingdom is perfected is through all of us in this room. Now that's a real scary thought. But if you allow God to work inside of you and allow his will to be done inside of you, then we can bring God's perfect kingdom and perfect will through our lives into this place. Now we always, until the Lord returns, will be fighting the king of this air which is Satan. He'll always be attacking you. He'll always be trying to give you a hard time, trying to derail you from God's kingdom and God's will. But if we're standing strong and we're standing in the midst of God's kingdom and God's will, then we can place him where he deserves to be placed and that's below our feet because Jesus already crushed his head. And so we can stand up to him and say, it's God's kingdom, it's God's will that's going to be done. Even when you come against me, Satan, God knows what needs to be done. And so I'm going to put you where you deserve to be put, and I'm going to cast you out. I'm going to tell you to get lost. Leave me alone because I am in God's will and God's kingdom, and that's what matters most. But we need to pray for his will, his kingdom to be done in our lives today. What does that look like? One of the things I want to leave you with every time we, uh, as we go over the sections of this uh, Lord's Prayer is how do we do that? You know, it's real simple to stand up and say, God, your kingdom is the most important thing, thing to me. When you taught us to pray that kingdom come, what you're saying is that your kingdom is more important to me. Then Lord, show me in my life where my kingdom has taken, taken rule over yours. Show me in my life where I have made it about my kingdom. Show me in my life where I have usurped your kingdom. There's a, there's a uh, good word, right? I win points for making up the word perfectionized by using your, usurped. How about that? But when we stand before the Lord and we say, Lord, let your kingdom come in my life. I really want it to be your kingdom. I don't want it to be about me. So I stand here and say, Lord, humble me. Make me your servant Make your kingdom more in my life than anything I... I let, me, let me strive to see your kingdom done here on this earth. Not my own kingdom, not my own glory, not my own honor, but your honor, your glory, your kingdom, Lord. Let it come here on this earth. And then I always like to move on and say, Lord, let your will be done. Let your will be done in my life, Lord. Let your will be done in my church. Let your will be done in my, in my work. Let your will be done in my emotions. Let your will be done in my finances. Let your will be done in my children's life. Let your will be done in my wife's life. Let your will be done in every single person inside this church. 
as we pray that and we ask for His will to be done, His will is always better than ours. And so when we ask for His will to come, what we're asking for is Him to replace what we want and make it. Lord, show me what Your will is for my life. Let me know beyond a shadow of doubt that it's not my will, but let me know that it's Your will, Lord. Let me walk with You. Let me talk with You. Let me know that I'm guided. Every footstep that I have is for You. God's will, when we pray that, we have to release our own will. So one of the things I always like to do is, Father, let it not be about my will. Let me release my will to you. Change my will to be more in line with yours. Remove the places where I've been stubborn. Remove the places where I haven't been humble enough before you. And let your will be done in my life, Father. Because your will is what I need in my life. And ask the worship team to come forward. And as they do, the last part about this is on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I don't want my kingdom here on this earth to be notarized or be uh, um, recognized, is the word I was thinking about, not notarized. Uh, I don't want my life, my kingdom, to be recognized by something I have done. One of the things I love to pray before the Lord is to stand before the Lord and say, Lord, let me be transparent to you. And what I mean by that is when I pray to be transparent, what I'm asking is that when people look at me, let them not see Jason. Let them not see this balding, middle-aged, overweight pastor who stands before you, but let them see instead the shining vision of who Jesus Christ is. Let them see Jesus in me, Lord. That's more important. Let me be transparent because I want my life on this earth to be as it is in heaven. One day I will be with you, Father, in heaven. One day we will all be with him in heaven. One day we'll be walking with him and we won't have to pray for his will or his kingdom to be done because it will already be done. We'll be with him in heaven. But until that day, we can live on this earth as it is in heaven. If we just stand here and we choose to follow his kingdom and we choose to follow his will, it can be like heaven for us. It doesn't mean it'll be perfect, but it'll be as close as it can get. Will you stand with me, please? When we pray, our kingdom come, our will be done. Natural to go along with that. Lord, I want to give this up to you. I want to sacrifice these things for you. So I want to pray today for you that as you are praying through this prayer, this Lord's Prayer, as you continue to pray this prayer, as you continue to pray in this model that Jesus gave to us, that you would also remember to humble yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, change me. Let your will be the most important thing to me. Let your will be done. And then as you leave today, when we dismiss as you leave, don't forget to grab that card and remember to pray for that prayer request that was written on that card. You never know what God is going to do through your prayers for that person on that card. God could completely and radically change the person that you're praying for just because he chose to work through you. But you have to have the strength to pray for that person. Remember, hold them up every single day. Make it part of, make it part of your, your uh, experience, your part of your life, part of your fasting. Maybe you even fast for whatever's on that card. 
And as you're dealing, begin to lift him up in prayer. So let's pray today for God's will to be done in our life, for God's kingdom to be done as we move forward. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing and what you have done in our lives. Lord, we ask you to come into our life. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, you are the greatest and almighty thing. You're the, you're the best thing that has ever happened to us. You're the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the ruler of all, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. We place you on our throne, the top place of our life. Father, we put you on the pedestal, if you will. We put you on that first place, that, that place in our life where you can control and rule over all of our life. And we turn happily over to our kingdom and our will. We ask you, Lord, even if it doesn't mean we get to do what's on our mind, that you would just have your will be done in us. Have your will be done in our relationships. If we're married, Father, let it be done in our married, marriage relationships. If we have kids, let, our, let your will be done in our kids. Let your will be done on our job, Father. Let your will be done in our family. Let, our, let your will be done in every situation of our life. And let your kingdom come, Father, on this earth. Lord, I know that today, <coughs> when we pray for someone's will to be secondary to your will, Father, sometimes that's hard to pray because we have visions of the way that we want our life to be. May, Father, instead, you incorporate your will into our life. That doesn't mean that we don't get the desires of our heart because you say to us, Lord, that you want to answer the desires of our heart. You know the desires of our heart. But we come before you and say, Father, your will is more important than anything on this earth. So guide us, strengthen us, protect us, Father. Help us to turn our kingdom and our will over to you. And let you rule in everything that we do and say in our lives today. We give you glory, Father. We give you praise and we give you honor in Jesus' most precious and holy name. Before we sing this worship song, as we're singing this worship song, sometimes asking someone to give up their will is a very difficult thing to do. And I certainly know that it's not the most easiest thing to say, Lord, I'm willing to give up everything and just follow you because I have so much ventured into, I've put so much energy and effort into this, whatever it might be, this will of, of mine. Sometimes it's hard to give that up. So just if you're having trouble with that, if that's stuck in your head and you want help, we would love to pray with you and just try to encourage you and lift you up in prayer that the Lord would help you to give up that will and seek his instead. So as we sing this song together, you would like additional prayer, please come forward. We would love to have an opportunity to pray with you. Let's sing together. Are you hurt broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. He's calling now. He's calling now. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with 
the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is falling. Bring the sorrows and strengthen from joy. From the ashes of new life is born. Jesus is falling. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, what a Savior! What a beautiful, beautiful Savior. Father, may you guide us today. May you guide us this week as we leave this place and we go out into the world around us. May we seek after your kingdom, not ours. May we seek after your will, not ours. May we seek after the things that you have for us. May we follow you with every step that we take. May we glorify you in every way, every shape, every form, every opportunity that we get. May we bring you blessing and honor and glory because you deserve that and so much more. Father, I pray today a blessing over every single person that's in this room that they would receive what you have for them, that your will, your kingdom could come and reign in their life. That as they walk into this world around them, as they seek to do what you have called them to do, may they receive the power that can come only from you. May they seek the resources that can only come from you. May they seek and receive the wisdom that you have for them in every situation of their life. Father, I pray that we can leave this place being your hands and feet, blessed by you to see the kingdom of God grow in this area and in our lives, Father. Bless each one of us, Father, today. Help us to serve you to follow you in all that we do and say. In Jesus' most glorious and precious name we pray. pray. Amen and amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week. Don't forget to grab a card on your way out and remember to keep praying for them over the next 40 days. We'll see you again next week. God bless.